If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Hello and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I am Kirvin. <laughs> and today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, I think we need to mention you interviewed Mr. Luke Bensey for this Sunday's Insightful Inquiries. Yes. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners to look out for? Yeah, so, you know, we normally have a clip here, but, mm -hmm. uh, so the interview was recorded last night, and we are, it's been busy around here. Between activities? Yes, so we're still <laughs> in post-production, mm -hmm. but what, what I can say is that uh, Mr. Bensey had just a wealth of knowledge, and not just in like the intelligence and spy realm, but also in a practical sense. So he gave, yeah, he gave a lot of great business advice and also some interesting comments on publishing a book, which he's published several books. And, uh, and he's providing various courses, both virtually and in person, and how to do that. Mm -hmm. So it was a great conversation. And I mean, obviously, everyone should check that out. Well, obviously, we will. Well, I will. Yes. You you were there. I will I can, listen to uh, it 20 I will check times. It out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's in post-production. <laughs> well, let's get to it because I know we have a lot to cover. So what is on your radar this week? Uh, so we'll talk Russia-Ukraine, obviously, but then we'll get into uh, Sweden and Finland, who received some good news this past week. Mm -hmm. uh, the United States, which has increased their troop presence in Europe. Uh, also NATO, which is... Uh, started to focus on China. Uh, there is an update on Israel and Iran, as well as an update on uh, North Korea and their nuclear capabilities. Uh, we also want to do the, uh, this is a new weekly segment that I'm working on about extremism in the United States. Yeah. Uh, then we'll get into History's Mysteries, which was uh, I've titled CIA's Destructive Leader. Before all that, I do want to say, I, I don't want people to think that we have... Uh, personally not talked about this and that it doesn't have geopolitical ramifications but we will not be discussing the overturning of roe v wade uh not that it's not important not that it doesn't have geopolitical implications um but there is also there's so much to read on it there's so much to talk about and there's no way we can go into it unbiased Un because right. we are furious we can't stay we can't stay neutral neither of us could do mm -hmm. it could talk about it in that way and that is that's not right for the listeners who come here to not listen to two people discuss those kind of things yeah so, so if you want to know those geopolitical ramifications and your mind is set and ready for it you can mm -hmm. email i will tell you what i do believe will happen in the coming months especially with the elections coming up in november yeah, uh, I, I will do that if you guys want to read that. But as far as the podcast goes, we will not discuss it. Mm, sorry. <clears throat> Anyways, let's 
let's do the weekly Russia-Ukraine update and get out of this headspace because I was st- I could feel my blood boiling already. Right. So, uh, yeah. not to make your blood your blood boil even more. Uh, it's been another week of fighting. Yeah, I don't know why I thought this was gonna calm me down, right. but okay. <laughs> um, so that's still along the eastern side of Ukraine, and there's been some very interesting events happening. So one. Russia, uh, according to satellite images and public statements by Russia's defense minister, has abandoned Snake Island. Now, that's the area that made headlines early in the fighting with, if you remember the audio from Ukrainian yes, troops. Yes, where they were Yeah, yeah they were telling, telling off, off Russian vessels. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, that small outcrop of land had been a Russian stronghold <clears> until <throat> this week, with the significance being the free movement of grain out of the Ukrainian port. So Russia claims that this is a gesture of goodwill and proof that Russia is not blocking grain exports or humanitarian aid. And you could take that however you may, but it is at least a strategic win for Ukraine. Well, I feel like we are about to hear about a major Ukrainian loss now that we have that news out of the way. Yeah, you're going to be correct in that assumption. And that's just yeah. you knowing me as a person. And. Because, I mean, uh, the, Russia doesn't do something nice without them already having something under their belt. Yes. Or up their sleeve, you know? And and honestly, it's it's a loss for both sides because... Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about this. So this week, uh, a Russian uh, missile strike on a crowded shopping mall in the central Ukrainian region of Poltava has left at least 20 dead. Um, so those are 20 civilians that had died, and that's tragic. Uh, yeah. um, Ukrainian officials claim at least a thousand people were in the mall at the time of the missile strike, uh, but Russian authorities claim the shopping center caught fire after Russia struck a nearby weapons depot. Do I even need to ask if you believe Russia's talking points on this attack? <laughs> well, I mean, everybody probably knows that you and I both work off of the saying of believe no one and verify everything. Yeah. So in this regard, it's very easy to pinpoint the misinformation campaign involved in this attack. And this is where Russia is losing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like detectives can identify when a suspect is lying because they continue to change their story. Uh, that goes for the Russian authorities as well um, in this attack on a civilian mall. How so? Well, the first statement coming out of Russia was that Ukraine had actually fabricated the whole story. Right, right, right. right? So a tweet from the Russian ambassador to the UN implied that Ukraine had fabricated the attack. Uh, uh-huh. Once that misinformation campaign was unsuccessful, Russian authorities began publicly expressing the narrative that the destruction was not actually from a missile strike directed at the ball, but actually collateral damage from a missile strike on a nearby weapons depot. Uh, well, is there any truth to there being a nearby weapons depot? Uh, that's another interesting question. Uh, because as far as I can tell through satellite imagery, there isn't a verifiable weapons depot nearby. That'd be a weird re- place to put Right, a yeah. depot, right next to a now civilian shopping mall, but okay. it it would be very weird. Uh, but also directly north of the shopping mall is a rather large manufacturing plant. That you know, if I had time to review months of images, I could possibly see it and see if it's been used as a weapons depot. But uh, right now, I can't verify that. But now, w- go ahead. But was it on fire? Uh, so there we go. <laughs> the if you look at the photos released of the damage, mm-hmm. 
the manufacturing plant is free from any damage. Oh, okay. So then the statement actually doesn't hold water. Oh, right. You mean yet another misinformation campaign from our buddies from our buddies in Mother Russia? Our buddies to the east. Yes. Well, a continuation of sad news for the people of Ukraine. Yes. Now, there was some good news in other bordering countries, correct? Yeah, so we talked about this before with Turkey. The Turkey has stated they are actually satisfied with Sweden and Finland's statements on security efforts and will not dissent in a vote from NATO on approving the two countries. Ooh. Now that, yes, that is, is Russia good, mad about that? Good news for, okay. for Sweden and Finland, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, it could turn out to be very bad news globally. I think I already know the answer as to why, but would you like to explain the bad news? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so good news is that Sweden and Finland will be approved as members of NATO, barring any last-minute shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And this is going to protect those citizens from the aggressive actions from Russian President Putin, at least for now. Why just for now? Well, so the writing's been on the wall for a while as to what Putin's motivations are. Yeah, he ain't fooling nobody. Yeah, and he specifically singled out Finland during a speech in the early days of the war in Ukraine. So... Once both countries are approved into NATO, any attack on those countries will trigger Article 5 of the Critical Defense Statute. Article 5 is the statute that states an attack against one ally is considered as an attack against all allies, correct? Yeah, uh, that's the... So, it's the the one that I feel has kept Poland safe from overt Russian aggression so far, and I say Mm -hmm. overt. yeah. Because you don't uh, know what's being covertly done. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a lot like a schoolyard bully. Um, Russia wants to go after much weaker countries without pushback from a country that might have similar might as the, the Russian military. Well, let's get to the bad news. All right. So bad news is Russia views this as an aggressive act against their yeah. borders mm-hmm. and has yet to rule out a nuclear attack being justified because they view NATO as a nuclear adversary and would want to defend itself from being surrounded by a large nuclear arsenal. And do you think that is bad news for everyone in Europe and the United States? Yeah, I do. So if if a nuclear weapon is used, it's going to be a preemptive attack. Yeah. And Putin is one of the few leaders who would decide to preemptively use these weapons and not fear the repercussions. That's a very, very scary thought. Very. Um, speaking of scary thoughts, can you explain the situation with the U.S. sending troops to Poland? Of course. Uh, the U.S. has put its first permanent troops in Poland. That's the... the um, so permanent is the word yeah. that we want to use. I get, the, I get what that means. Yeah, so... <laughs> The U.S. has had troops in Poland before, and I've been a part of that, but these are now permanent troops. So, what are the implications? Well, first, uh, Poland has been on Russia's radar for a while now. Yeah. While the U.S., like I said, has had a military presence in the country for a while, this official permanent troop stationing could very well be viewed as a provocation. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, second... The U.S. has attempted to provide everything but U.S. troops to Ukraine. And so this permanent troop deployment puts U.S. military directly along the border with Ukraine and Belarus, 
as well as this small little sliver of Russia by way of Kaliningrad. Mm-hmm. Now, any misstep by any number of the countries I just mentioned to include the United States would set off a geopolitical disaster. Uh, it's definitely going to be more to follow on this as more information comes out. Okay, then let's talk um, NATO's views on China and how things may have changed recently. So huge changes in how NATO views China now. Okay, well, how so? Okay, so first, this is the, the first time in NATO's history that they have added China as a significant threat to the organization. Is there a specific wording or is this an inference? So there is specific wording in NATO's long-term planning document, and it states that China's stated ambitions and coercive policies challenge our interests, securities, and values. Is NATO also making specific statements on China's ambitions? Oh, great question, because NATO did state as well that China seeks to control key technologies and industry while also ignoring international rules and regulations. So Basically, they're accusing China of not playing fair in the international industrial complex. Well, China's not going to like being talked talked about like that. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I know you will have an update in the near future. But speaking of updates, what information is coming out of Iran and Israel? Well, first, you are correct. China is taking issue with NATO, and so more to follow on that. But uh, let's start with Israel here. It's... Uh, the, the country has completed its dissolving of its government, and it will hold elections later this year. And this is a very precarious time for Israel as it deals with a conflict with Palestine and with a country in Iran that has, as we noted last week, stated its intent to annihilate the state of Israel. And this is all happening while Israel is trying to broker peace deals with various other Arab countries. It can't be easy to negotiate peace deals when you don't have a government. That's correct. <laughs> what about Iran? Any nuclear updates? Yeah, nuclear updates are ramping up in Iran as Israel deals with the chaos in their government right now. But also, big news is that Iran's chief of intelligence was recently fired after multiple damaging intelligence failures with Iran's Revolutionary Guard. Uh-oh. So, A former vice president within Iran has stated, uh, this is his quote, the security breaches inside Iran and the vast scope of operations by Israel have really undermined our most powerful intelligence organization. That's the end quote there. This could lead to an even harder stance against Israel and, as well, improved intelligence operations helping Iran thwart Israeli attacks. So we'll definitely notice the implications of this in the next few months. Got it. Um, Well, let's move on from Iran's nuclear and intelligence operations to an update on North Korea's nuclear operation. Yeah, so this week... You uh, get a nuclear bomb, you get a nuclear bomb, you get a nuclear bomb. We could do a whole episode of countries that should not have nuclear weapons. And it's probably, I would, I mean, my opinion is that none of them should. But let's move on. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, this week, the leaders of the U.S., Japan, and South Korea held their first in-person trilateral meeting in nearly five years. They discussed how to handle North Korea's 30-plus missile launches this year and the very real possibility of its seventh nuclear test. Seems Um, fine. Yeah, it's all fine. Yeah, it's all Uh, fine. All three countries have publicly stated that they will hold talks with North Korea anytime and anywhere 
However, no one can get the government in Pyongyang to answer the phone. Do they even have a phone? Well, who knows? <laughs> I mean, obviously that's concerning. Have they tried texting? Well, <laughs> yeah. FaceTime? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think they I don't think they have. And, Zoom uh, meetings? That could really be a good hip. idea. Those are hip, you know, since, you know, COVID <laughs> what if, started. What if President Kim has read receipts on his phone? Then you know he's actually reading it. Yeah. And you can tell him that. So, yes. <laughs> trying to joke around a little bit, even though it's yeah, a very sorry. serious Bringing story. Bringing a but... little bit of levity. Yeah. Like, all right, let's get back to the actual information and quit saying dumb things. <laughs> right. It's good to laugh, you know? Yeah. So, uh... The real answer here is that due to the secrecy within North Korea, we honestly don't know and we won't know much until that predicted nuclear test actually happens. And then what happens? Well, the U.S., Japan, and South Korea have stated they will be unified in their reaction to the nuclear test. So that could mean combined sanctions against the already poor, very poor country. Or it could be an increase in joint exercises that would be a show of force against the country. And either one of those increases the chance of conflict in the region. And it's going to mm -hmm. be something that we are going to focus on over the next few months. Well, we'll keep an eye out for an update and hopefully there will be better news. Yes. Now, at the beginning of, in the beginning of this, you mentioned a new segment. What are listeners in for? So in the month of July... I'd like to bring awareness to the various extremist groups that are working in the United States. Okay. We're going to talk about who they are, what they want to accomplish, and how to avoid them. That sounds good. Who will we be talking about this week? So I wanted to start with the most dangerous, or one of the most dangerous groups within the U.S., and that's mm -hmm. according to many government and private organizations. So this isn't going to be, like, subjective, your opinion. It's going to be stuff that's all on the government yes, it watch is list not my kind opinion. of thing? It's okay, I, I just wanted to make sure you're not trying to piss anybody off. I mean, no, obviously, no. if they're garbage, fine. But, you know, we do have children. <laughs> right. But but also, these, these will be groups that are known terrorist organizations okay. uh, within the so United States. Okay. okay. And I will, be not, I will not be making anything up, and I will, be not, I will not be giving opinions on these okay. groups. All right, cool. So, well, I might be. But, well, you know. that, well, you can. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I'm going to talk about the American neo-Nazi group led by James Mason. It's the Adam Waffen Division, which is also known as the National Socialist Order. That just sounds scary. Yes. So besides being racist and disgusting, what makes them one of the most dangerous groups? Those those are both not opinions, I want to say. Oh. Okay. From you, Tiana. <laughs> yeah. Those are it's facts. Just a fact. Yeah. Um, James Mason, who is uh, one of only two individuals, individuals, so people. On Canada's list of terrorist organizations. Oh, if Canada didn't like you, you did not. You did something wrong. You did something very wrong. The nice people up there. <laughs> so he has called for the violent overthrowing of the U.S. government, mm -hmm. and stated that the neo-Nazi party would never be able to take power in the U.S. without the destruction of the current government within the U.S. <laughs> now they the, would never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this is Shoot, where we get I'm into sorry. some of the scary stuff. 
Okay. Um, He's just shooting for the stars, like way beyond what he'll ever be able to reach. But, you know, he makes a good point. The neo-Nazi party should never be able to take power. Yeah, and they won't. While the U.S. has its current government. Well, I guess they shouldn't. I shouldn't say they won't. Shouldn't say never. Let me knock on the wood real quick. That's why I said they should not. Yeah, okay. You're Um, right. But the words... So that word, uh, Adam Waffen, mm-hmm. which I Dave is going to message me on Instagram and say, I can't believe you butchered that German word. He'll learn you. Yeah. But in German, it means nuclear weapon, which if uh, it were possible to get hands on a weapon of so that sort. Yeah, that's their goal. Very, very big concern. Yeah. They would be able to take out the government. <laughs> right. Um, so also that group is called for an, an initiation of ethnic cleansing and a Ugh, race gross. war against non-whites, Ugh. as well as an establishment of a white ethnostate. So uh, the concern here, I will say, is not just with words, but it is with the calling of violence against the government and those of non-white race. And being shameless about it. Holy mo- how do you say such hateful things and just... Uh, okay, have they attempted any attacks recently? Yeah, uh, so even though James Mason stated in March of 2020 that the group had disbanded, this was before the State Department named them a foreign terrorist organization, thus freezing their financial assets, so it's kind of convenient that mm-hmm. he said they disbanded. Of course, yeah. Uh, a Missouri man affiliated with the group allegedly planned to destroy a hospital treating coronavirus victims with a car bomb. And he died in a shootout with the FBI. Also, uh, the group discussed plans to weaponize coronavirus via saliva, uh, a spray bottle, or laced items. This was according to an intelligence brief distributed by federal law enforcement. So planning continues, but now they have reorganized under a new name called the National Socialist Order. I'm really glad that the listeners can't see my face right now (laughs) because... I'm I'm speechless. Um, I understand. Do you do you know of any future planned attacks? So anything that I would say would be strictly an assumption, because I don't know. Um, I don't have that information right now. Uh, but they do have a tendency to take advantage of various crises, like like coronavirus, cor- like coronavirus yeah. exactly, and they do that to plan mass casualty events. Um, well, how can we stay safe, and in what states are they operating? All right, so let's do the states first. So okay. uh, this will be no surprise to, to anyone. Shut the up. Two, the two main states are Ohio. That's where James Mason is from. Of and course. Texas, where the group is headquartered. Oh, of course. Now, they are active in many locations. They were there in Charlottesville for the Unite the Right. Yeah. Uh, but the known size of the group is rather small. It's about 80 members, um, and roughly 25 of those are actually active members. So they don't really congregate in uh, like a particular location. They just plan attacks where large mass gatherings would occur in order to do the most damage with the least amount of cost. Of course. And so uh, you asked what can people do, um, how to stay safe. So I'm not going to say avoid protests, especially in this in this time climate yeah uh or or parades uh, with fourth of july coming up but 
I will say, have a plan. If you're going to any large gathering, please have a plan. You got you need to understand where the closest exit is and identify any like possible choke points. Well, for the ding dongs like me, what is a choke point? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, a choke a choke point is any massive congestion of people or vehicles like that can block the free flow of foot or vehicle traffic so like basically any place i do not like going so i'm well, safe it's if you think of that okaquan exit south of of 95 oh that's that's also a major choke, a choke point, point. Uh, okay um so, so lots of traffic gets backed up now in the military we use it to designate areas where soldiers are unable to amass in great numbers while moving through an area and what it does is it gives a smaller and weaker force an advantage over a much larger military force so any area that narrows would be a choke point in a crowded situation. Got it. Thank you for explaining that. Uh, I hope I hope that did help. It did. It did help. I I get it now. I was just thinking, you know, concerts and you know yeah. massive you know massive gatherings of people, and I was like, well, I don't like going to those things anyways. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> what do you mean, not anymore? I was never really that big on it. But anyways, <laughs> I'm going off into my personal preferences. Let's come back to what we're supposed to be talking about and move right into history's mysteries. What do you have for us this week? So this week we will discuss uh, the former chief of counterintelligence for the Central Intelligence Agency, known as the CIA. He was there from 1954 to 1974. That's James Jesus Angleton. Now, during World War II... Angleton served in the Office of Strategic Services, which we've talked about plenty of times on here. Yeah. And he led its branch in Italy during World War II. Now, since his background was so heavily rooted in counterintelligence, Angleton thought that all secret intelligence agencies should be assumed to be penetrated by others, or at least that a reasonable chief of counterintelligence should assume so. Now, this that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me, and I will yeah. say... Yeah, you know. I'm not even in Intel, and that makes sense <laughs> to me. But this uh, focused thinking actually led to his eventual downfall. Um, oh. He became increasingly convinced that the CIA was compromised by the KGB. Well, were they compromised? All right, I'll get into my belief on this. That yeah. At the height of the Cold War, everyone was compromised by the KGB. Yeah. But Angleton would stop at nothing to out any employee or agent of the CIA as a KGB operative. Uh, throughout the 1960s and 70s, Angleton privately accused even foreign leaders of being Soviet spies. He, tw he twice informed the Royal Canadian Mounted Police that he believed then-Canadian Prime Minister Lester Pearson and his successor, Pierre Trudeau, were agents of the Soviet Union. Wow, he was all over the place. Yeah, and, and in time, his suspicions came to be viewed as counterproductive, if not yeah, destructive. he became obsessive. Exactly. Sounds like. But, and, oh, I go back to this all the time, about the pendulum swinging, especially within the government. Because in the wake of his departure, counterintelligence efforts within the CIA were done with far less enthusiasm. Yeah. And there are some that believe that this overcompensation was responsible for oversights, which allowed people that we've talked about before, Aldrich Ames, Robert yeah. Hansen, many others, to compromise the CIA. So, you know, maybe he was a little too harshly criticized, but I do think he could have been more sensible about 
releasing yeah. this information. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else for this week? No, I we are out of time definitely for this week. <laughs> we did kind of drag it on a bit. Well, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a minute, head over to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and give us a five-star review because those help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Sienna, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.